Good evening and welcome once again to the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. It is the 11th show. We've completed our starting 11 here at the Right Hosh. Been going on this for most of 2023, actually going back to 2022 and the World Cup. The last month of Premier League season, we're recording this on the 1st of May, the merry month of May. A little bit chilly here in North Carolina, but we are inside the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Luke Ned Carney, Rob Jordan, Alex Thompson here. And this is, well, that last show was a bit of a bizarro show, but now it's it's a bit come to fruition because for every show that we've done, the history of the right hosh, Arsenal has been at the top of the table. And now this is our first show where Arsenal is not at the top of the table. It feels a little strange to me, guys. Does it, it, it feel a little strange to y'all? It, it feels right. <laughs> It's uh, it's definitely. I think things are back to reality. Not gonna lie, as someone that's uh, you know, been a fan of Arsenal for most of my life, as not my official team, but you know, uh, one that I still follow closely. Um, not used to seeing Arsenal in first for that long of a season. So, uh, season's not over yet. So you know, it, it's close, but uh, certainly, I don't know. I feel like the weight's been lifted off my shoulders a little bit. It's kind of nice. It only took them going down one point in the table for him to drop the they're not my official team. I I <laughs> so, sorry, I, I didn't know they weren't. I mean, I know that they're not your quote unquote official team, but I I just kind of assumed they were. I know they're <laughs> not in the same like division as yours, but I don't know, just kind of assumed. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say I'm am I disappointed? Of course. Yeah, I mean, like that was uh <laughs> that was a very rough match to watch. You know, you wake up early uh in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, it's raining outside, it's a cold gray sky, and it's raining goals for Man City against Ramsdale. <laughs> it's uh a bluster English day uh in Arsenal town, a sad day indeed. That's just that's but but when the weather's like that in the morning, I want nothing more than to sit with a cup of tea and watch EPL, regardless of who who's winning and losing. It's just better when one of y'all's teams is losing. But I guess that meant one of y'all's teams was winning because you were playing each other. But uh, you know that was that was just something I had to put up with, you know. Uh, but but it it it, it is it is it, it is always fun to see a beat down when you know somebody is taking it personally. Well, well, Luke, that's an assumption. I, I was drinking a cup of tea, except Erwin Holland was letting his hair down by scoring in our goal in injury time. How how glorious is that bastard, by the way? I, I did not know he had a final form past what we had already seen, but hair down Holland is his final form. As opposed uh, to, the, I, to the braids we saw today. Uh, I mean... I'm not going to lie. As soon as he let his hair down, I don't know why. I don't know if it's something I felt something in the force, but I just like, oh no, like something's going to happen. I just didn't know. And there you go. But yeah, I think uh, Cornrow, I think Cornrow Holland, like David Beckham back in the early 2000s, that might be his final form we've yet to see. <laughs> it's it's literally like, a, it's like one of those cheesy high school movies where the, the ugly nerdy girl gets a makeover and all of a sudden they're like, really popular and hot it's, it's like she's all that but with with a soccer star like i and i do want i do wonder what the braids are going to do because it hair down holland is he's got to stick with it i mean he's got to stick with it for wednesday's game right he the thing is he just he just kind of changes it i think braids equal braces though so look out for two goals for erling holland in the next match i think that's what that means yeah, I mean, it, 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 I guess, you know, your teams are so far ahead of mine right now that it doesn't really matter if you win or lose in, in relation to, uh, to, to Liverpool. I, I would like to see you beat West Ham, though, just because I, I don't like them. I, I don't know. That's, that's really, really the, only, uh, the only explanation there. Um, we, we're, we're actually, Liverpool's playing Fulham at the same time uh, on Wednesday. But before that, Arsenal takes on Chelsea, who Alex referred to before the show as Chelsea see because they have just so many l's in a row which is glorious to see but but rob this is this is the bounce back opportunity of all bounce back opportunities for the gunners yeah i mean it it certainly is uh, an opportunity for us to bounce back 
it, it's still a trap game. Uh, I, I've been saying this uh, from the beginning. There's just something about the Chelsea squad. As much as we make fun of them, they're so star-studded that you know there's going to be one or two of these last games of the season that that team will finally go off and click. Uh, and I'm just hoping it's not against us. You know, it, it is at home at the Emirates, uh, so I do think uh, we'll have the you know advantage there. And I, I think we should see ourselves pass uh, Food Line FC, but uh, you know. We'll never say never until it's over. Rob, if you guys win, you will be nearly 40 points clear of Chelsea. You will have double the amount of points that they do on the season. And that is that is something I think every Premier League fan can rejoice in because I, I, I think everyone hates Chelsea that's not a Chelsea fan. Yeah. I mean, that that's the Harris Teeter way, uh, you know, 20 points more than food line FC. I'll take that all day. Hey, now you're not, you're not going to bring my former employer into this. I'm, I'm, we're not going there. The shitty kitty is the shitty kitty and you'll just leave it alone. <laughs> I mean, we'll, I, we'll, I, we'll, we'll see about that yeah. tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> Pour one out for the namesake of our studios, who is also a former employer of Harris Teeter, the, the quintessential everyman grocery store chain here in the great state of North Carolina. Uh, food lines where you, where you shop if you hate yourself or where you work if you hate yourself too. Uh, that, that's, uh, that, that's all we're, we're going to say about my, my former employer, the, the shitty kitty. But that'll be the standalone game tomorrow, <clears throat> three o'clock or probably today when you listen to this show. Um, so Arsenal, it's going to be, kind of, I feel like it could be like a spy versus spy, just jump up and down type thing in the standings. They're obviously both going to go to Champions League. Um, but Liverpool almost embarrassed themselves on Sunday. It was a 3-0 lead before you could say steak and kidney pie. And then all of a sudden, Tottenham crept back in it. And it was just a bizarre ending all around. Uh, Richarlison scoring the tying goal, taking off his shirt like he had just won some kind of some kind of championship. When then Diego Hota scoring the goal a minute later to give Liverpool the 4-3 win. And the funniest part of it all, was Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp pulling a Bill Grammatica and injuring himself in the celebration. See, you said you avoided embarrassing yourself, but if you pull a hamstring celebrating a last-second comeback on Spurs, I, I I think the embarrassment rides with you whether you won the game or not. Um, yeah, a, a really a really interesting game. Uh, I, all I'm going to say about it is... I don't think Jota should even have been in the game to be allowed to get that last second winner. But at the end of the day, you got to live with whatever the officials call. Apparently you can cleat a guy to the skull and and stay in. That's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, a, a very, very gritty effort for Spurs. They could have easily let that one get completely out of hand. Um, they, they, they did as well as they could with the circumstances, I think came back, made it a game. Um, but they got a they got a long way to go as as a football club right now. Shout out to Curtis Jones, his first Premier League goal since I think September of 2021. They said uh, when that, that first goal off a really really nice assist, and then you know, Luis Diaz scoring two minutes later. Mohamed Salah didn't get an outfield goal, but he did a uh, he did score a penalty kick. So uh, Harry Kane and Sun Huing Sun Huing Min scoring for. Uh, Tottenham in addition to Richarlison so all basically all the stars got their theirs in that game uh Liverpool is just a few points out of the top four but in a bit of an uphill climb for the Reds not necessarily because of what they have coming up but because of what the teams ahead them, of, of them have coming up and, and the schedules for both Manchester City and uh and uh, Newcastle both setting up favorably too even though Liverpool's schedule is is pretty favorable uh come, after Fulham, the Reds will take on uh, Brentford at home at Leicester, home against Aston Villa, who's another one of those teams that's right in there with Liverpool, and then they close against Southampton on the 28th. So it's it's four out of those five games are games they, they really should win, but a lot's just going to depend on those other teams too. It's kind of like we've got the two at the top, and then we've got a group vying for the last two spots, and then then we've got the teams that are vying to not be relegated, basically, among among which is Chelsea. It's still mathematically possible for them 
to end up in that bottom four. Yeah, I, I haven't done all the math, but uh, Nottingham Forest can clear them. Um, so I believe Everton can as well. Technically, if Chelsea were to lose the rest of their, their matches, it, it, could, it could happen. Couldn't happen to a better squad either. Yeah, yeah. Like as far as the math goes, uh, as of right now, I'm pretty sure Chelsea is the cutoff. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, potentially Burnmouth uh, as well. Um, but yeah, essentially, still like last time, you know, positions 12 through 20, it's it's going to be a mad dash for the finish. Yeah, the thing to keep in mind though is because they made it so far in the Champions League, uh, they have two matches they haven't played, very similar to City. Um, so they still have two matches in hand, but I mean, just, just looking at what they have coming up is uh, it, it, it's daunting to say the least uh, when you're talking about Arsenal, Burnmouth, uh, Man City, Man U and Newcastle uh, are five of their last six. They get a, kind of an off week with Nottingham Forest who, you know, is probably more their equal than any of the five teams I just mentioned. So it's going to be one of those cover your eyes and just, you know, pray the car crash isn't too bad uh, endings for, for Chelsea, just trying not to get relegated. But that, there's a very, very real chance that they win one match the rest of the way. So so what you're saying is that the rest of Chelsea's season is like a really shitty Fast and Furious movie with Frank Lampard at the wheel. And they're just, you're going to cover your eyes as they play the Paul Walker song. I may be in the minority, but I think every Fast and Furious movie is a shitty Fast and Furious movie. So, <laughs> yes. Well, you're not in the minority on this show because that means 66, at least 66% of this show says, thanks so. <laughs> I was thinking more like Final Destination. You know, you're just driving behind those logs and then all of a sudden, like, here they hear it come, the harnesses break and all that timber just comes and smashes into your car. <laughs> that's yeah. basically what Chelsea's season has been as the season's gone on. Yeah, I, I think that's probably more accurate. But uh, I mean, uh, uh, another team that, that Liverpool is chasing is Newcastle and Arsenal Newcastle this coming Sunday at Newcastle going to be a challenge for, for the Gunners, but the Gunners could could help me out quite a bit uh, in, in that game. So not not to look past Chelsea because that's the next opponent, but probably a little bit more challenging of an opponent for for Arsenal uh, coming up this weekend as opposed to to right now. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle, the the final stretch uh, of our season, um, not including the Man City game, uh, obviously the Man City match was away, and then Newcastle away at St. James's Park. You know, those, in my opinion, were the, are going to be the two toughest matches of our final stretch. Uh, you know, we do play some good teams in Brighton uh, as well uh, as, yep, uh, just Brighton here. Um, but that's at home and, um, you know, the Newcastle is a very dangerous squad. So, um, I know they're hungry to win out the rest of the season so that they can secure that, uh, champions league spot, uh, and Arsenal, we're hungry to, you know, we, we want to win out the rest of the season and, you know, in case Man City slips, I don't see that necessarily happening, but, um, yeah, you know, really everyone in top six, including Liverpool, uh, you know, we're they're all vying for that uh, that last few games of finish. So we'll we'll see who makes it. And one team we haven't mentioned in that group to this point is the favorite team of the namesake of our studios, Manchester United, who has six games remaining against Brighton uh, on the road, and then again on the road at West Ham before they host Wolves, are at Bournemouth, and then two home games to close it out against Chelsea and Fulham. So. I think a slightly tougher schedule for Man U than for Newcastle. If there's a team that, that might slip, uh, it, it's, it, I, I think Man U is more likely to. Uh, Newcastle, a much greater goal differential. They've actually given up the fewest goals in the Premier League at 27. Newcastle, a goal differential of 34. Uh, that's the third best behind the top two teams. Manchester United, only plus 10, while Liverpool's is plus 23. So if there's a team that I think is going to, if it happens, it's it's. I think it's going to be Man U as opposed to Newcastle. But you know that that's going to start uh, on Thursday when they they take on Brighton on the road. So so these road games are really what I'm looking at because just just this is my first real like full season paying a ton of attention. It's it's night and day when most of these teams play at home. 
versus playing on the road. Yeah, if you if you have the right atmosphere, um, it is. But you, at the end of the day, you, you have to have the players to to win those matches. It certainly helps, but um, you know, there's that that there's there's not Anfields everywhere. There's there's not Old Traffords everywhere, um, and I I don't know. I think I, th- I think Old Trafford has lost its luster just a little bit um, recently, just with some of the you know the the mismanagements uh, going on within the club. Of course, they're having a, a, a very good year this year, um, but I, I just maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just because uh, there's really only one club that I've I've feared this season, and that's Arsenal. But I, I just nothing about old trafford even even though it's the derby nothing about it uh instills fear in me really in the last couple of years i don't i don't know if you guys feel the same way but uh i i feel miles worse having to go to anfield than i do having to go to old trafford yeah i i kind of agree with that and it has to do i think with the the golden age of of man you kind of having passed and i don't know rob can shed a little bit more light on this i think but with does the english national team kind of just does it have several stadiums that it plays games in, or does it kind of just stick to like Wembley and, 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 and another, or what, what is the, pro, how do they, cause I know I've seen some footage from like, you know, world cup qualifying and international friendlies at old Trafford. Does the English team still use it as like a, a national team facility? No, uh, generally it's at Wembley in London, but um, yeah, for, for like official matches, um yeah, it's usually Wembley, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's it's just interesting how a lot of you know in in the United States, a country this big, like you have different parts of the country where they'll play different matches. Because if we're playing against Mexico, you don't want to play at a place where there's going to be a lot of Mexico fans. Ideally, um, you know, America sort of has that advantage. But I I do kind of like the idea of over in Europe and and other parts of the world. There's like that that uh, national stadium, if you will, like the Maracanã in, in Brazil uh, c- comes to mind. Um, <clears throat> Parc des Princes in, in France, uh, kind of like that. Um, they, just kind of kind of a sidebar there, just the, the, the facilities. I've never actually been to a soccer-specific stadium, so I, I'd really like to make it one day. But, but I guess closest I've been is, is RFK Stadium, uh, which, which is definitely not a, uh, a, a soccer – was definitely not a soccer stadium. But um, – I mean, that's that that was the direction I was going in with that but uh really really just just a lot of like just a lot of games and a lot of stuff that's going to be shaken out here in the next I feel like after we get through this next week and then we get to our next show in two weeks we'll still we'll have a better idea of who's actually gonna gonna be advancing or who's actually gonna be getting relegated yeah and I I, I of course we'd be remiss if we don't didn't you know s- set some time up here to discuss the the arsenal city match um mainly because i i'm i'm really curious on rob's take um i I, i've kind of you know it's it's been a couple of days since it's happened and i think we probably have a little bit better idea um you know realistically what happened in that match and you know it it, arsenal got a felt like they just got outplayed the the stats are pretty close possessions not wildly off uh touches aren't crazy um city actually you know had more yellow cards arsenal had more corners but it it, it just didn't feel like arsenal were ever in that game and the the result is one thing and you know the results down the stretch with with you know losing the leader one thing but the the most worrying thing to me about this Arsenal squad is that it feels completely night and day to the first time we played. And the, the results weren't much different. It was three, one versus four, one. We obviously added on the, the late Holland goal, just kind of, you know, for shits and gigs, it felt like at that point. Um, but it, it just uh, tactically, it felt a lot different. And uh, the, the players, man, they just felt flat. There was no, there was like no energy. It just felt like they were dead and had almost just accepted what was going to happen before it happened. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun to revel in victory, but the victory almost just doesn't feel as good when you know, your opponent did not play their best. You know, I was hoping with the, you know, Gabriel Jesus de- debut back at the Etihad, he would have some extra fire, 
Um, I, I don't know what's happened to Zinchenko. I thought he went to Arsenal to play in the midfield and he's still playing left back when they clearly need uh, some oomph added to the midfield. Um, Rob, just what, what are your, what are your thoughts on that match as an Arsenal fan? You know, not so much on the, the, the results and how it stacked up in the premier league, but just in this isolated instance, or maybe the last couple of weeks to me, it just feels way different. It just feels like they're accepting their, their fate. They looked over their shoulder once when they were up 12 points and have not been the same club since. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we've talked about this before. I think really what it comes down to is late season fatigue, where it's, it's not just the, you know, latter part of the season final matchup with, you know, the other team that's chasing you. But, you know, this is a long season. We talked about that before, so I don't have to get into details there. But, you know, that, that with that late season fatigue, that's where the inexperience in championship games, that's where that can hurt you. Uh, I've noted we had a couple key injuries on defense, specifically Saliba, uh, as well as Tommy Yasu, who's a great person to plug in um, to def- defense. I wouldn't necessarily start him over Ben White, um, but, uh, you know, being stretched thin at defense where, you know, to be honest, the weakest part in our defense was Ben White and Zinchenko. Uh, Gabriel didn't play that great of a game either, um, so I'm not uh, giving him an excuse. Rob Holding was decent at best, but uh, I really think it's just that late season fatigue that coupled with the inexperience, um, it, it it's just like watching it's like watching a boxing match, right? Where you know the first you know anyone can look good in the first three rounds, like everyone's full of energy, but uh, you know, you, you, once you get to that seventh or eighth round, you see certain guys start to gas, right? And I think really it's just everything has come to a head. And I think our teams started to gas a little bit and, you know, they let the moment get to them. Yeah. Because I, or, or, I guess just like real quick, because ultimately what I'll talk about later is that because there was like a lack of connectivity in the midfield and just throughout our play, whereas you guys had that and you had that composure where it's like you were better like conditioned almost. It's like, yes, whenever someone was tired, they got subbed off. Great. But anyone that was on the field at any one time for Man City, everyone was on the same pe- same page, well-drilled, focused, undeterred. And, you know, because of that, there was a lot of connectivity, um, which led to your goals, Right. Um, where I, I think that's where we lost out and, you know, we started becoming our own worst enemy. Yeah. And my, my point of, of this, just on the face of it, so everyone knows is not to be argumentative. The, the, the pushback I have for that, I think is well, while I do agree it is happening city have had the, the smallest rotation in the premier league and have played the most games in the premier league and didn't look fatigued at all, even though this has been the same squad. We've pretty much rolled out the last, uh, you know, five, 10 matches pr- pretty much exactly across the board, except for we were also missing Nathan Ake at left back. Um, to, to me, you know, we, we go back to the first match and there's this just, you know, hell bent feeling about Arsenal that, that, you know, their ears are pinned back. They're just running at City. The high press is going the you know the midfield feels feels good i mean i think you guys were still missing some players on the defensive end tomiyasu uh was certainly a a big help for us in that match but you know i i understand all the the things that you're saying and i think they're true but it 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 does not feel like the same squad the tactics don't feel the same and maybe it's an experience maybe it is you know just being tired i i guess i'm just struggling with why the the fatigue would be an issue for a team that's rotated more players and has played less fixtures um i i'm a i'm more novice in this sport than you are so i I, i'm not challenging you on it whatsoever i i guess i'm just a little bit you know searching for for why arsenal felt just it, it just felt like they were out of it from from the from the jump i i never felt 
worried about this match, except for the fact that Ramsdale was standing on his head and keeping it a one score game uh, for a lot longer than it really should have been. I felt a little bit nervous about that and knowing the counter that you guys had, but having Martinelli, Jesus, Saka, Odegaard, I didn't hear those guys' names almost the entire night, it felt like. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think ultimately you kind of hinted at it, but I think ultimately what cussed us is like, you know, we we as a squad haven't necessarily evolved over the season, you know, compared to where we were, like the way we played earlier in the season. Like, yes, we've grown because we grew in confidence. We won a lot of matches, yada, yada, yada. We, you know, we exceed, vastly exceeded the expectations that were given to us before the season, right? We all knew that. But, you know, I, I think there was a certain ceiling that we hit that, you know, this was because we also played you guys in the FA Cup. That was the first match, and that was only 1-0. So the first match was 1-0. The second match was 3-1. And then this one was 4-1, right? So I think the difference is each time, uh, you know, Pep, you know, who is the superior manager, right? You know, I, I think it's fair to say that even before sure. that match happened, you know, he has the seniority there. But, you know, because of that superior managerial skill, he was able to adapt not only the players he put on the field, uh, but he did adjust um, the formations and lineups slightly um, to where he was constantly adapting. And every single player um, that was on City, you know, they went into it like clockwork. It was like a machine and they're very well drilled, which is great. Whereas I think Arsenal, you know, once we got a few injuries down, we were lacking depth. You know, we were just more of a one-dimensional team. And, you know, th there's levels between great teams and good teams. And Arsenal had a terrific season. Absolutely amazing. But, uh, you know, we, we didn't make changes when we needed to. And, th and that's not just on the field of play with the players, but also managerially with Arteta, where, um, you know, he was maybe hesitant or not quick um, to make adjustments on the fly. Uh, whereas, you know, you guys, you guys did that very well through Pep and your, your players. So, um, I, I think that's ultimately where it is. Cause you can see it over time where, you know, Pep kind of figured us out. Um, you know, the players got familiar playing against us and, uh, you know, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's multiple things, but, um, you know, that's why I think he saw an uninspired flat, Arsenal that, yeah, we weren't playing our best. I'm not sure why, but, um, you know, I, I think it's all the things we talked about above um, and, you know, the, the better team won of the day. So hats off. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. And that that's more how it felt to me um, because I, I, I feel like it's easier to, to notice when an injury is, you know, injuries or fatigue are hampering you when you see it happen over the course of the game instead of like as, as soon as the ball drops. Um, so it, I, I, I do agree. It felt to, to me, it just felt like Arteta did something different tactically. Maybe he was playing a little bit more conservatively than he normally does. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know what the reason for that was. Um, I felt that way when I saw that Granite Xhaka was going to be in the starting lineup. Um, I felt like that was a little bit of a, a conservative, maybe a defensive play. And maybe that's what he felt like he had to do, you know, playing against City who were in incredible form and playing at the Etihad. Uh, maybe you just go in there and try to limit what happens at the beginning. Um, but I, I say all this to say, uh, as I was alluding to earlier, Rob, in our, in our group chat, I, I have been really, really pissed off at these people who are, who are shitting on Arsenal for quote-unquote bottling the league. I, I want to put this out there. City are only up one point and have one game in hand. I would say they both have pretty even strengths of schedule down the, you know, down. We both play Brighton. We both play Chelsea. Um, so very similar schedules. Any Anything can happen. City has uh, minimum three extra fixtures they have to play with the two Champions League matches and the FA Cup final, uh, which for sure will be very hard fought and i'm sure there will be some bumps and bruises out of those as well anything can happen i'm not calling arsenal have bottled the league quite yet even if they do it is asinine to sit there and talk 
about them bottling the league when you're, as I said, Chelsea, almost 40 points behind them in the table. Liverpool are 10. Uh, you know, Man U doesn't have a chance at touching them, even if they went out and Arsenal loses out, really. I, I don't understand how these other how the fans of these other clubs can sit here and try to act like Arsenal lost something that they should have won. It's not like they've done this three years in a row. Arsenal had no business being in this position. And I, I mean that in the utmost of respect of what they have done this season is they have no business being as good as they were this quick with the new additions they've made. It is phenomenal how quickly they have gotten that roster churned. Um, and I, I think, I think over the, the course of the last four matches, it certainly has been more missing Saliba than anything else. Um, but it, it, it just kind of, it kind of grinds, grinds on my nerves when I see people say that, that are, you know, it, <coughs> sorry, I'm getting really riled up. Uh, it feels like, uh, how can you hate from outside the club? You can't even get in type of type of thing to me. Um, so I, I just want to say here for everyone, I don't know what the rest of the season holds. CD could very well lose form, lose a player, something like that. And Arsenal come back and win this thing at, at the very least Arsenal have been the best team for the largest portion of this season. And unfortunately the premier league doesn't always recognize that at the very end of the season. It doesn't matter if you led for 85% of the games, if you don't lead for the last 1%, unfortunately, um, but Arsenal have a much better future than anyone else in this league. I feel like maybe other than Newcastle and city, the two teams they are sandwiched by. Um, so I just wanted Rob for you to hear that anyone who is listening, who may be an Arsenal fan or just premier league fan in general, uh, th this has nothing to do with Arsenal being bad that this is a, this is a fresh roster that this is nowhere near their final form. And city has been in this in this game for the last half a decade. This is what they do. They, they, they mess around in the top two of the Premier League. Um, they look very comfortable. Arsenal didn't, but they're going to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I think that's all pretty accurate. And uh, yeah, by all means, you know, hats off to the Gunners this season. Like, it's been great. And like you said, it's, it's still not over. You know, it, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you know, not only are you playing Champions League, but you're playing in arguably the favorite of the Champions League every year, which is Real Madrid. Um, and, you know, that FA Cup final against Man U, like you said, those are all very tough matches, which, um, you know, again, that's where I think uh, Man City's squad depth will shine through. Uh, we saw a little bit of that uh, against Fulham uh, a couple of days ago where they rested a lot of their, um, you know, more usual starters and were still able to uh, get a victory against a, a very solid Fulham squad. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think Arsenal, yes, we're certainly, this is the start of a new era at Arsenal, which is great and refreshing to see because, um, you know, Arteta really kind of got a, most of the old guard out, if you will, in certain players. They're still... Um, you know, there's no one really left from the, um, whatchamacallum, oh my gosh, uh, I'm drawing a blank, the Arsene Wenger era, obviously there's no one really left there, but, you, you know, this is Arteta's team and this is his squad now. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very solid foundation and with great management and skill and, uh, you know, making sure these guys get paid. Um, I see a lot of success for the Arsenal squad of the next two to three years, for sure. Arsenal got Chelsea tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, Newcastle on Sunday, and then the last three matches for them in Premier League play will be home against Brighton at Nottingham Forest and then home against the Wolverhampton Wanderers, better just known as the Wolves. So a, a, a lighter, lighter schedule to, to close things out for the Gunners. Uh, too, but re really two two really tough match, or actually one really tough match coming up. Uh, but the, the Arsenal Chelsea rivalry uh, always uh, I, I, there could be there could be some fireworks. I think I, I think especially this late in the season, guys are tired. Especially guys on the on the the lower ranked te rated teams. You know, guys just want some of these guys just want to be done. You know, they might just might play with a little bit more edge. 
Um, or, or some of these guys are going to be, they know they're going to be playing on different teams next year. So I guess some of the, some of that pressure, if you're on a, a team that, you know, is not advancing, some of that pressure could be a little bit off and you could have some more motivation to, to show out because you're, you're want to show other teams like, Hey, come and get me. Kind of like we see in the NFL sometimes. You know, it's funny because Rob, Rob kind of started the show um, and he, he mentioned uh, kind of feeling like the pressure's off. And I, I wonder if that's how Arsenal's going to feel too. Um, and we're going to find out really, really quick if this is one of those like, okay, spotlight is just it, 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 what, what we thought might happen, happened, unfortunately, but we, we don't have to worry about losing that anymore. We're, we're in the aggressive seat. We can now go, um, you know, not have to play for, you know, just play defense. We can, we can go just actively try to win games. So I'm interested to see if they have, you know, a, a mentality shift not having to look over their shoulders at city for, you know, at, at least uh, a match. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it really will be uh, a massive mentality shift and, you know, at home versus Chelsea is the perfect place uh, to do that. So just really put it on them uh, and give us good momentum going into a very tough away match at Newcastle um, on Sunday. So um, yeah, I mean, Listen, I think it. That's what I'm saying. I do feel a sense of pressure, and uh, you know, I I think at this point, you know, it's always been Arsenal's goal to win out the rest of the season. But after that match specifically, um, I, I think that's the only thing Arteta and what our players want to do. And if they're fully focused on that without the pressure of like, oh, we're gonna lose the lead, you know, like you said, Alex, all it takes is you know one or two slip-ups um and you know if arsenal wins the rest of their games out you know this is still very much a race so um i'd like to see arsenal win it out regardless of if they you know what else happens outside of our control um but it'll be a great way to end the season like you said where you know consistently we were you know the best team we didn't have the i guess the endurance right at the end uh to keep it all going but um, you know, I think it'd be a massive moral victory for us to win out the rest of the season. And it's, uh, it's very possible and could still keep us in the title race. I alluded to this last show too, but regardless of where you are at, at the table, there's no draft, you know, there's no motivation to finish higher or lower than, than where you are. There's no motivation to tank in, in that from a, from a player and team roster development uh, perspective like the basically the only thing you can do if you're on the verge of relegation is you've, you've got to be able to prove it to players that you might want to sign and your front office has to be able to prove it to players that might want to sign next season that it's a place worth coming to and, and like at the when you're at the bottom tanking on the season th- that would indicate to me if I was like you know I know they don't really use this term in English football but free agent uh, that that would indicate to me that I wouldn't want to go play there next season on the other side of the coin, a, a team like Arsenal bouncing back from this this momentary lull that they're having, or a team like Man City having a very strong finish to to the season and coming out on top, that would indicate to me that like this team is serious about being successful, and I would want to play there. Yeah, and I would say a lot of it goes to, towards uh, well, when it comes to those kind of free agents as well. It's how how well does the manager um manage the roster manage expectations manage the pressure down the stretch and you know while while it's not exactly gone arsenal's way the last couple of weeks i would still say Mikel arteta has he, he's definitely in the top three this season um I, i'd probably have him number one if we're just talking body of work um you know throughout the entire season what he's had to work with what he had to create um so th- it's it's all it's all about mindset they're they're in a lull it, it happens city this happened to city earlier in the season there, there were it was just kind of inexplicable it was you know in injury to ruben diaz here or there you know some some kevin de bruyne stuff but it went way further than just being injured it was just lack of identity uh manager maybe not having as much confidence and you know, a, a certain tactic he's rolling out and all that stuff trickles down the same way it does. If you're, if you're playing well, uh, all, all that stuff matriculates through the rest of the squad. Um, and I, I think Arsenal have, have definitely proven that they are, as long as Arteta is there. Um, and as long as they have, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, 
consistency in the in the management that they're going to have no problem getting back towards the old standard of arsenal do they have like awards like they do in like the nfl is there like a coach of the year like an mvp like a any of that type thing i think that there are um i don't know if it's press related uh but like th- there are certain words where it's like uh you know manager of the year or like emerging manager of the year which you know i certainly think my top three candidates for it are in no particular order. Um, Arteta is certainly in there. I think the Aston Villa manager, Unai Emery, uh, is certainly in, in there. You know, keep in mind, he came in uh, halfway through the season when Aston Villa were towards the bottom, and he's got them all the way back up uh, to, let's see here, to seventh. Um, so, you know, hats off to him. But uh, I'd also put um Roberto De Zerbi uh Brighton's manager I put his name in the hat um I certainly think you know you could you could say Eddie Howe uh, of Newcastle obviously Pep is always going to be there um but you know there's been some and even Eric Ten Hag you know hats off to him he inherited a absolute clusterfuck of a situation at Man United and I mean he's he he shut all that stuff down got rid of Ronaldo and you know, they're at where they're at now in the season after a very rocky start. So uh, lots of managerial um, prowess this season. Uh, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of awards given out. Yeah, I think I think a great list there. I mean, you, you could make you can make an argument for pretty much any team that's played played well. Um, but you, you definitely look at some of those middle of the table teams that you're just not used to seeing there. Um, all the ones that you mentioned. Um, I, I noticed you didn't mention Frank Lampard, though. Can you elaborate? What a complete tosser. I mean, this guy, like, I mean, I knew Chelsea. I know Chelsea brought him in as, you know, kind of a fail-safe PR stunt of, oh, you know, he'll be our interim manager for the rest of the season, which, you know, at the onset, I thought was actually a pretty smart move. I'm like, okay maybe you know it'll be a player's coach he'll instill some type of camaraderie he'll get them fired up and get them to win a few games but the the problem with frank lampard he's already miserably failed not only as the chelsea manager but as manager of several other squads including most recently everton where he was sacked the season and the man hasn't won a single match he's still looking for his first chelsea victory uh, as the interim manager, and it's been over five games now. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I can't even say he's in the hot seat because it's not like he has a job to lose. They're going to have a different manager come next season. But I mean, what a complete fucking clown. <laughs> I, I, I still don't understand. I, I, I just, I don't get how they're this bad. Like I, I could understand being kind of like the Yankees and just buying a bunch of, you know, square pegs for a round hole, but they're, they're all good squares type of thing and, and being bad. But I mean, that, that they're, they're second in net spend and they are the, the highest in total transfer budget. Uh, these numbers, at least based on uh, since, since Pep got to, to Man City, I was just looking at this the other day um, because Man City are actually fifth since Pep got to the Premier League in net spend um, behind Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Man U. And the the latter two have really, really struggled with the amount of money that they've spent. Um, Man U, like you said, finally getting it turned around. Uh, Eric Ten Hag had a – he just had a huge hill to climb. It, it wasn't resources. It was it just a, 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 com- a common theme across all the shitty teams is – just really, really bad administration on the inside. Um, But it's not for a lack of money. And uh, it's just funny to to watch Chelsea actively just burn, you know, Ukraine's war bill. (laughs) They're literally like the Redskins from the early 2000s when Dan Snyder would sign all those free agents and they would just suck. Like, it just wouldn't work. Like, Deion Sanders and Mark Carrier and, oh, God, not going to say, okay, I'll say his name, Albert Hainsworth. Like, just, just bring, that's just, 
that's what it brings back memories of to me (laughs) but frank lampard to me is like it's like greg berhalter on a smaller scale like greg berhalter was a relatively popular player for the u.s national team back in the late 90s early 2000s was on that 2002 team that made the quarterfinals and he's just so 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 unpopular as a coach and it's 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 a similar thing here just that it's just a, a club as opposed to an entire country yeah it's it, it's it almost felt like a hire that was off of a celebrity jeopardy which is just like words you know and it just like can we just think of people that we know to hire for this job um which i mean like you said it's you know it's temporary but but still it it it, it, it felt it felt right, but there, there was no logic behind it whatsoever other than it just felt right. Members of yeah. Simon and Garfunkel who yeah. are not Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the general rule of thumb, right, is there's smoke where there's fire. And if, if any company, including a soccer company, does some type of gimmicky PR campaign, that should always be your signal to know, okay, what's really going on? And I mean, that, that's a classic example there for Chelsea. And I mean, it's just a smoke and mirrors thing. Uh, you know, it, I, I'd be interested to see what they do over the summer. But uh, until then, it's uh, Lampard Circus with uh, Frankie and the boys in blue. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird to see that. You see that in a lot of different sports, but this is probably the most prominent soccer example now of somebody from my, my era, you know, my childhood who was a player just be just totally flopping as a coach. I mean, I've, I've seen it in, in the NBA, seen it in the NFL, um, definitely seen it in MLB too. So it's, it, it's not, it's not immune over across the pond to, uh, to steal stupid, silly hires like that. And, and this is not the first time that this approach has failed for Chelsea. So I highly suggest to broaden your search next time on the old Google machine there, uh, and, and maybe find someone who hasn't played for the club. Uh, maybe, Maybe. I, I don't like, know. It's like Georgetown basketball. They're just they're just stuck because they keep hiring John Thompson disciples or, 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 like when the, for them. or like when the Hornets would do nothing but draft Carolina players. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you, you realize they're only good in college, right? That's it. They're not going to translate. Is Sean May still there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, he's suiting, suiting up for the for the Hornets as we speak no just kidding because they would never make the playoffs it's playoff time <laughs> exactly they left him in they left him in new orleans <laughs> he is currently an assistant coach for the uh unc men's basketball team if 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 anyone if anyone really cares which which we don't here on the right hosh <laughs> whatever you do chelsea don't hire urban meyer whoa 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 that's that would be a whole different pot we need a whole do a whole another podcast unto itself if that happened i i'd watch that documentary <laughs> what if oh, i yeah. told you dude but lo- loki i hope they don't hire vincent company because I, I i want him for whenever pep bows out <laughs> yeah he, he seems like another guy who could make that seamless transition from a from elite player to elite manager um i, I zinedine zidane is a is, is a manager now and he, his name was floated for potential us mnt opening uh but that that didn't come to fruition that would that would be a cool one to see because if, if he, uh, the referee ever fucked his team over he would just go up and headbutt them and that would be that so there you go yeah i mean that that was that's one of one of my main international soccer memories from from before before i was really actually into soccer when, when it makes it the family guy you you know it was big right <laughs> that was a that was a great a great great game actually really really fun final 2006 france versus italy taking place in germany of all places so that was a uh, that was a probably the most fun world cup of of my uh my childhood it, not counting the u.s's performance because we're, we're not going to talk about how the u.s did in that world cup but uh discussion here tonight on the right hosh i'll i'll open the floor for the last couple minutes for any any closing banter or anything but i've I've covered everything i need to cover on the pitch no i think i think i'm good but i i I stay up at nights what just really wondering why alexander zinchenko went to arsenal to play in the midfield and then is just still playing left back like the whole reason you left is you wanted midfield opportunity i i want him back rob can i can we we work something out can i get alexander zinchenko back please I, I i love that son of a bitch no no you can't you can't buy everyone off alex this is how it works 
We're only fifth in net spend. We're below you, Rob. You've spent more than us by net. Let us enjoy our well-spent money, sir. I, I just want to, him. Let them find. I, 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 I like him because he looks like Kevin De Bruyne from a distance, so it looks like we have two Kevin De Bruyne's on the pitch sometimes. And that's, that, that's a power no man should feel. They do, they do look eerily similar. I didn't I didn't realize that until <laughs> now, but they do. You must you must let Arsenal find their sea of green, <laughs> sky of blue and sea of green. Even though that's not none of those are Arsenal's colors, but you must let them find their sea of green. Also, we, we are officially on Holland lookout. The next goal will be the next Premier League goal will be the the uh, the record. So. Um, I, I don't know if fans will rust a pitch and try to get it and sell it on eBay like we do here in America, but uh, Holland better run straight to the net and get that ball uh, and take it home with him whenever he does score it. How do you think he's going to do his hair for the game, though? Uh, he, he could go bald, and he's still going to be Erling Holland. He'll just put on one of those, like, Hollywood latex masks. Like, <laughs> he's just like, but, but I'm going to play with this shit on. But Hollywood is spelled with two A's. <laughs> Just like the title of this program. And that's how we're going to end this one here from the Nasser Alexander Kuchecki Studios. Thanks to everybody who listened to this one. Catch our draft coverage of The Right Hash. Mike Barlow will be joining us this week. And um, we'll, we'll just be reviewing the draft, talking some South Carolina Gamecocks, and just doing what we do here in the studios. Thanks, guys, for joining me tonight. Uh, good, good soccer banter. Always enjoy it. And we'll have another show for you here in two weeks. Uh, Lots of soccer to be played and still still the EPL top four to be shaken out and the relegation to be shaken out as well. So for Rob Jordan, Alex Thompson, I'm Luke Night Party, signing off from the Nasser Alexander Kuchenki Studio.